Welcome. My name is Gina Timberman, and you are listening to Timber People, a podcast about people who, like timber, are strong, build and create, who gather us together like fuel that feeds fire. People who support structures of our community that uplift and protect. Welcome to Timber People. I'm so happy and honored today to be with my dear friend, Jared Tate. Welcome, Jared. Chokma, it's good to see you. Chokma, chokmashki <laughs> for being here. And this is fun. You yes. know, here we are on some good relaxing time visiting together. And Jared is a composer, a member of the Chickasaw Nation. It's not every day that you have a, you know, a global cultural ambassador, a <laughs> cultural ambassador of the U.S. Department of State, among, <laughs> among many other honors to be with us. And I want to say that, you know, this podcast is really focusing on connecting people in our community and building bridges. And I want to talk about that with you and your work. And I love the fact that here we are in Oklahoma City and in our community, you could be living next door to a global cultural ambassador. So this is so much fun to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, it's, it's so good to be here. You know, it's, it's really funny because the whole world is like that. And if you really think about it, you know, the people that have had the most global impact uh, didn't come from major cities. You know, it's like people come from out, out from under rocks. When you really think about it, it's like, you know, so many people are from small towns and you know, just unexpected areas. And so you could be you could be neighbors with anybody and not even realize it. And it's just this is kind of how the world works. And it's really kind of cool. I think about that, especially in terms of Oklahoma. So many of our creativity ambassadors mm-hmm. have come from Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, the world creative ambassadors. And mm-hmm. so it's really exciting to have you on the show. And, you know, when I started thinking about what we would talk about today, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're talking about the past, like where you started, what you're doing now, which is so incredible and what you have on the horizon. And perhaps we start a little bit about you and how you got started with the awesome work that you're doing. Well, I appreciate that, Gina. Um, well, first of all, I'd, I'd like to go ahead and introduce myself in the language. Yes, um, please. Jared Tate. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Jared Impachachaha Tate, and I am a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation here in Oklahoma, and I'm a professional classical composer. Um, so my journey into music uh, came from both sides of my family, my mother and my father, and I'll tell, tell you a little bit about them. Uh, my father, Charles, is Chickasaw from Ardmore, Oklahoma, and um, dad, uh, professionally, uh, well, he graduated OU Law, and um, he became a tribal judge and a special district judge and uh, was counsel to the Chickasaw Nation and also uh, was uh, was a, a, a judge for CN, uh, uh, sorry, Cheyenne Arapaho Nations and Kickapoo. And, you know, dad also cut his teeth in the 70s uh, with the Pueblo water rights in the 70s. And he was working with all 19 Pueblos in New Mexico when he was really, really young. So he was he he just has a really, really great deep history um, in tribal law and politics from around the country. And so I grew up saturated with that language from my dad. And I'm so grateful because my awareness of Indian country was really quite unusual for a kid my age. And so I'm just, so I just, I, I have that awareness that I, that I take in to my life today as a musician. Um, but dad was also 
a phenomenally trained classical pianist and baritone. And in fact, it's, it's really cool. My dad was an accordion player, and so he would actually sing uh, restaurant gigs. He would sing arias playing accordion and singing in Italian. So you got this Chickasaw kid who would do that. As, yeah, isn't that <laughs> so funny? Cool. It's like only in America. It's like right, you find right. something like that. But it's, <laughs> it's also a really great testimony to Indian country because we are so creative and diverse. And the stories that we have of our tribal people are really mind-blowing. Just all the little details of how people grew up and what they were exposed to and, and kind of how, how we've utilized that. And it's been going on for quite some time. Right. But I, So I love telling us story about my dad and you know my grandmother uh, was the first um a stenographer in southeast in south southern oklahoma and he, she's chickasaw so she was a she was a, a court stenographer and so if anybody knows what that is it's the people who are typing in shorthand you know for court right, documents right. and so it's just that's just really cool that you know there's so many indians who are doing all those really unusual gigs when they were younger so anyway so that's that's dad um and so, uh, but I started piano with my father and it was when I was, uh, when I was nine years old is when I started. And within about three months, um, I had announced to my, uh, parents that I was to be a concert pianist. I was completely in. And so I just really, really loved playing. Um, and so mom, uh, is, uh, my, my mother, Patricia is originally from Lincoln, Nebraska, and mom is Manx Irish. So I am Manx and Chickasaw. And mom and dad met in Enid. They both went to what was called Phillips University back then. And they both met in the theater. They were both heavily involved in theater. And so I grew up saturated um, in theater from both sides of my family. Mom was a professional choreographer and dancer and also a university faculty for 30 years. And so I just grew up just completely immersed in theater. And in fact, a lot of my early artistic heroes were the early American um, choreographers, so like names like Isadora Duncan or Martha Graham, Ruth St. Dennis and Ted Sean with their company um, and so Agnes DeMille. And then, of course, later on, the, the, there were choreographers like Jerome Robbins and Bob Fosse and Alvin Ailey, who were us, who I knew as well. And so the, these these had a great impact on how I saw art and also American freelance art because these were American pioneers in art. And so I really, really enjoyed that. So that on top of all of our American Indian visual art that was also exploding around the same time as these American dancers, all of this has greatly informed how I see myself as an artist. You know, it's it's really incredible. We take this for granted now, but, you know, our visual art in Indian country is a good 150 years old mm -hmm. now. And it is, it's an own entire solid genre that is world famous. Absolutely. The people fly in from all over the world to go to Santa Fe Indian Market to buy native art specifically. And that's, I mean, that's been going on for some time now. Right. I mean, we have a few generations under our belt of this. And of course now, oh my gosh, the, uh, the, the explosions that are happening now in film and fashion. Absolutely. It's just absolutely, it's stunning what we're, what we continue to do. And then on top of that, you know, of course we've got uh, all kinds of natives in theater and in uh, that are authors as well of course you know joy harjo is a really good example right. you know she's she's a third time poet laureate for the united states of america and and that's and she's just one of many people you know and so but now in the classical arts there's an explosion of native classical musicians and it's really really wonderful lots of composers performers uh, it's just, it's really, I love seeing this time. And I, I mean, I didn't know this when I was 15, that I would be on the journey that I'm on to begin with. And now that I'm in my 50s, I'm seeing this huge wave of new talent in Indian country in the classical 
performing arts. It's just really, really incredible. So lots of pianists, instrumentalists, composers, and, you know, it's just, it's really, really wonderful. And I'm just, I feel so blessed. And I just, I feel like, like life has started yet again, like about five right. years ago, it was like, oh, it's like, oh, it's, it's all started again. It's really cool. Right. Yeah. You know, that renaissance in Indian country, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, has you know, started many, many, many years ago, and it continues today. It's that that continuum that, mm-hmm. you know, swings back to our past and, you know, where we are today and into our future. Now we're creating places and new venues yep. and experiences to showcase that and to gather and to really speak and present from the first person from the Native community perspective. And yes. I'm just so excited about everything that you're doing and playing the pro- producing role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. of that too and so that history of being a part of that is so present with you and your work today I love it I, I really appreciate that you know as as I, I'm aware of that and I'm I'm very I love it I my ego loves it and I also feel very grateful <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I can do this and what happens is over time I just keep looking back at both of my parents and I'm just stunned at what I was given the building blocks that I was given by both right. of them, even if they were unaware of it, right. it's just—it's really incredible to see when 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 you're on when you're standing on top of a mountain and you're seeing this beautiful landscape, you realize that you're standing on the shoulders of generations of people mm-hmm. who've done work, who've done work so that you can be doing that. It's right. really—it's—it's it's becoming more and more clear over time, like whose shoulders I'm standing on, and just like how many years. Of, it's just really amazing to me, and and so I'm—I've just—I relish in that every single day. And so you know, I, I have a son Hiloha who is nine years old, and I think about that all the time as I'm raising him. You know, it's like, what am I giving him? And you know, he may not be entirely aware of it right now, but hopefully over time he will be. But I am. So right. I'm just I'm 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 thoughtfully going. Okay, what can I do to best serve my son and give him the same tools that I was given by my ancestors? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, our families to get where we all are today as Native people, mm-hmm. we've had to have a level of support from our immediate family, extended mm-hmm. family, yes. communities, in many respects, our tribes and our ancestors, the tribal leaders of of the past, had to make difficult decisions mm-hmm. to keep us together. And so that, you know, history, I say, is like that guitar string that reverberates with us today in very challenging ways, but in very positive ways. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we're here to support one another from a family, familial perspective is Mm -hmm. important. And your family nurturing your talents and interests, Mm -hmm. because that that can't be easy in terms of the equipment that you need the <laughs> lessons the yeah. i can only imagine the traveling and mm-hmm. the commitment and sacrifice mm-hmm. that your family had um for you to have that talent nurtured yes yes i i totally agree and and again i i become more and more aware of that like all the nuance that went into the support that i was given by from both of my parents is is really really quite um, overwhelming, actually, you know, um, and you know, you think about the timeline. It, you're, you're talking about our kind of our our ancient support system. You know, I I tell people often that you know our ancestors, you and I, our ancestors, you know, walked 800 miles in mud so that you and I could sit down and do a podcast about them. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> we are we are their success, and and so our obligation is to be successful. That's, I mean, if, if they could be sitting in the room right now, they'd be like, this, mm-hmm. yes, we, this is what we were hoping for, even though we mm-hmm. couldn't know exactly what they were going to be doing. We're doing what they hoped we were. Right. That, you know, that, and so, so this is an honor to be able to 
talk about our success and to really brag about it. We need to do that. And right. again, it's like, and so an art, the kids that are younger than us need to see us as adults feeling really, really good about of, of our accomplishments. Right. So then they can go, yeah, I need to feel good about that too. You know, that means that all of that work that has been done has been worth it. Absolutely. You know, um, you've been given a gift and mm -hmm. everyone, every human has been given a gift. Mm -hmm. And and what are you going to do with it? Right. And, you know, what I would say in challenging times is if not you, then who? Right. You know, <laughs> if who's going to tell our story more than, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that sometimes you'd have to own that. And yeah. even though it's daunting mm -hmm. and can be really scary, if not you, then who? Yeah. And so I say, Jared Tate, if not you, then who? <laughs> I look at your body of work. I look at all of the cool things that you have been involved in from teaching children in camps mm -hmm. with tribes and not just one tribe, your tribe mm -hmm. through the Chickasaw Summer Arts Academy, but tribes around the country mm -hmm. in the in school programs to uh, working with scientists with the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation <laughs> yeah, to the great. Creativity World Forum, which was yeah. a whole adventure. Yes, it was. That's right. <laughs> and to producing what you're doing around the world now, which um, I I want to get into, sure. but also like HBO series Westworld. I mean, you could tell me anything and I'm like, you can't make any of this. Up. I'm like, you could tell me like you're on the space shuttle yeah. and there's an experiment that involves music. And yeah. I would say it's you and John Harrington are on that space shuttle and I have no doubt it's happening. Well, I, I would not turn down the opportunity to be the first composer on Mars. That's for sure. <laughs> right. And, you know, I have talked to my son Hiloha about this I'm like, and I've told him, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm actually realizing that you could literally be going to Mars someday and we don't even know it yet. I mean, that's, it's entirely feasible. And he's like, well, dad, would you go? I said, I go in a heartbeat. I said, if you go, I'm, I'm going, right. that's, I don't care how old I am. I would absolutely join you. I wouldn't go by myself. I'd go with my son. Right? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, that, that would be really, really great. I mean, you know, I, and also, you know, like as all the whole zoom thing, you know, was coming into line, a lot of musicians were embracing that as well, but we had lag times that were a problem, right? Well, zoom fix that and it's all so there's all this technology that's been catching up to to all this and so you know i i tell people you know we're going to be live streaming from the moon like concerts right. from the moon because right now there's only about a one second delay that's going to be compensated for that's for sure and in due time we're going to quantum stream from mars that's going to happen <laughs> We're going to do, be doing live streaming concerts back and forth to Mars. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Zoom, and you and I have had some interesting conversations mm -hmm. about how your work changed mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we all know, there were some really negative experiences related mm -hmm. to work that mm -hmm. we had to endure. Mm -hmm. But it changed the way and made some opportunities in work really efficient. Yes. And I know that you were traveling all over the place, mm -hmm. um, all over the country and beyond mm -hmm. to work with entities. And you really um, were really innovative in the way that you shifted gears mm. and began to work with partners, mm -hmm. clients and others through opportunities to create and yeah, it's really you, interesting there's there are silver linings and and again it's it's up to us to look for that i mean you know it's it, you know it's we owe it to ourselves to try to find whatever positive whatever positivity is in any circumstance 
Um, and so when, when the whole pandemic hit, you know, I, I did the whole thing. I bought a Rode microphone, got a Logitech camera and, and set myself up with really good audio and sound. But also what I did was, um, I, it, for the performance world, I mean, that was, that was tough on all performing, uh, for both the, uh, for the composers, the performers themselves and the performing organizations. And I remember sitting, I remember the three days that Oklahoma city shut down. It's like, in a, I became a homeschool parent very right. quickly and I was working from home and I, and, and it's just, and I just, and of course all the concerts were canceled and I was just set with what was sitting in my savings account. And I remember sitting there going, okay, look at your bank account, get that number in your head. And, and then I thought, okay, what am I going to do? And I thought, okay, what I'm going to do, first of all, is I'm going to try to solve one problem per day. And if I can solve one problem a day, then in 30 days, I'm going to be okay. Because I had like three months of, of money to live on is yeah, basically what I had. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I have no idea how I'm going to revitalize income, but at least I can have a daily goal just one day at a time, you know? Right. And so that's what I did. And so then I was looking at my colleagues and my clients who had like pending invoices for my music and, you know, they had concerts that were all this kind of, and I just thought, you know, I, I was, you know, I was doing that whole thing, starting to write an email, like, you know, I still need to collect this or that. And I just couldn't do it because I realized nobody had money. Right. You know, it, it, everything had just stopped. Right. And so everybody was looking for $5 bills. And I was just like, I can't do this. I can't just clamor for these pennies at the bottom of the, right. of the fountain, you know, just. And so what I did is I ended up writing everybody and I said, um, by the way, uh, pause the invoice. Uh, we have no idea what's happening. If you can and when you can program the piece, please do. And we'll talk about money when the time is right. But wow, you've yeah. got the music. And so then, so I did that. And then I thought, you know what? Let's just do this. And so I made a public announcement and I sent emails out to every organization. I said, my music is free for the next three years. That's incredible. That's it. Just go. Because I knew that this pandemic was not going to go anywhere. Because, you know, you go in, but then there's a reverse mudslide. And that's what we're doing right now, yeah, actually, yeah. is we're in the reverse. And it's just as difficult, if not more difficult in some ways. And so I just thought, I can see all this happening. And I just thought, well, the only way that I can help is if I give all my music for free and then I can rely on my other part of my portfolio in which I receive royalties. Mm -hmm. And see, that's so you have to see yourself as a freelancer and your how you lean into stocks. Or, you know what I mean? It's like I, I was thinking like any kind of a stock person was like, okay, well, these stocks are weak, so I'm going to put time right. in these and, and relax on these guys. And I was just thinking that in terms of all of my relationships. And so as we speak, I'm still in that. So through 2023, all my music is free to ensembles and, and uh, performance organizations. That is awesome. And thank you for that. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, and I've been a beneficiary of that. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, and many organizations have. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, that's a real gift. And this podcast is about building bridges. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you stand in your identity as a Chickasaw man mm -hmm. and as a Native person and can reach across this genre and connect, mm -hmm. you know, unsuspecting audiences yeah. with this, uh, the sound and the stories through music mm -hmm. and connection to cultural identity mm -hmm. that may not otherwise be out in broader audiences. Right. Yes. And the compositions that you've created drawing from your Chickasaw heritage 
into being at the Metropolitan Museum of Art <laughs> or into San Francisco, yeah. you know, Symphony Currents Program mm -hmm. or throughout the world mm -hmm. is really awesome. Well, thank you. That's I'm I'm a very, very blessed man. And um and I am aware of all of that, and I'm really, really hoping that I'm honoring the efforts of, you know, Edmund Pickens, who brought us over and signed all the treaties, mm -hmm. you know, and did, did, was in, in charge of all the land allotments in Mississippi that we sold off to come here. You know, if if they could do that, I can do this. Right. You know, so I get I get a cell phone. I can call anybody at any time. They 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 didn't have stuff like that. You know, and the weather affected them far more than it does me. So I, I just try to really kind of think about that and be like, okay, I'm empowered. So how can I go ahead and, and go a little further and make sure that this is happening? Or how can I make this vision even bigger than you know? It's just that there's so there's so much that we've been given, and if we waste any of that time, mm -hmm. and and you know, then it's just you know, it's wasted time, but also there are native kids looking at us. They're right. watching us. And I, I want them to find the same energy and to find that they have the same abilities to create new spaces. You know, one thing that I, I really love about <clears throat> being in Indian country today is that we are now in places in which you were just mentioning this earlier. We're hosting, we're providing, right. you know, we're creating opportunities for Indians and non-Indians. Right. And that is, oh my gosh, that is a total success and a dream come true. That totally. we can do that. And so and so that I, yeah, I just I love being in that place that I can that I can provide for anybody on the planet. Absolutely. And say it's coming from a Chickasaw person. That's pretty cool. It's game changing. It really, really is. And the more that we can do that, the better off we're gonna be as people and the more change we're going to be able to enact in the world. I love that phrase that you said, I am empowered. Yes. And that's really something that I hope young people and mm -hmm. and really all of us mm -hmm. should really embrace mm -hmm. is I am empowered. And what are those resources? I mean, now more than ever, we've talked about, you know, career opportunities. And just the other day um, was interviewing a friend about, you know, workforce development and growing up. Mm -hmm. We did really it's incredible. You knew you wanted to be, you know, in <laughs> In your career now, I, I, you know, I didn't have, I didn't think that way. And yeah. um, I would have never thought I would be in my career now. And so it's so awesome that the exposure for young people and mm -hmm. for anyone to have resources available to connect mm -hmm. through technology today and mm -hmm. to explore um, new potential avenues of engagement mm -hmm. and career and mm -hmm. d diverse experiences mm -hmm. is just awesome. And mm -hmm. what you've done, what you have accomplished in that regard is, um, you know, I think we'll see the ripple effects for many, many years to come. Uh, for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely for better. Definitely I, I can always apologize later. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have so much happening right now. What do you have on the horizon? Well, I think one thing that we can talk about that I would really love to talk about is um, the opera shell shaker that that's coming out. And it's taken a little bit of a schedule turn because I happen to have surgery in the fall and it really kind of threw a curveball in my time schedule. And so the opera has been delayed uh, for its premiere, but actually the, the end result is even better than what I imagined. It's, again, it's like silver linings. Yeah. You know, they're, they're everywhere. Okay. So this opera is entitled shell shaker, uh, Luxi Shali, which is, is uh, to carry shells. It's, and so uh, it's to carry turtle shells. 
And this is uh, an opera based in one of our um, pillar stories that we have in our tribe. And th this is um, the origin story of, of how we received our turtle rattles for our stomp dancing. And of course, there's different versions of this. Right. And so I created a version um, to be in an opera. And um, actually, there's another one of the other stories I did was Spider Brings Fire. That's another fire origin it. story that we all share here. I, I say it. when we all, it's because you and I are both from Absolutely. the Muscogean culture. Yes. And so... Um, uh, anyway, so Shell Shaker is is a story that I just found um, many years ago to just sit perfectly into an opera. Like I just saw a two act opera. It was and, and actually when I was uh, composing a work entitled Loak Chopala, there was a segment called Shell Shaker. And as I was writing it, I just thought to myself, Oh my gosh, this could be totally expanded. So that's what I've been able to do. And so I was commissioned by Tian Hui Ng, who's a conductor at Mount Holyoke University, uh, which is part of UMass Amherst College System out um, close to Springfield, Massachusetts. And so he commissioned this work. I was actually um, applying for grants from Opera America to develop it, this kind right. of thing. And so he caught, he was on one of the review committees and caught wind of this. And they have Carnegie Mellon funds to commission operas. And he's like, I'm just commissioning this opera straight up. And so he <laughs> did that which is just amazing to me and so anyway so that was a great that was a really really great fortune that happened so uh, this opera is sung entirely in the Chickasaw language. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Lokosh, Josh Hinson, is our, he is the director of our language program for the Chickasaw Nation. He is the translator and interpreter of the uh, libretto. That's awesome. And I've worked with Josh for many, many yes. years now. We've done many projects together. And so uh, so he, uh, he and I are kind of like a team when it comes to librettos. And libretto is the words. It's the text right. for a choral work. And so, uh, so this, uh, th so it's a Chickasaw story sung in the Chickasaw language, written by a Chickasaw composer. And so, then on top of that, we have three um, opera singers who are absolutely phenomenal. And this is what I'm talking about. It's like you know, all these, like we have all these genres of fine art in Indian country. Well, we have opera singers in Indian country who are, are now saturating the market. Right, <laughs> it's right. Really great. So we have. Um, a Cherokee singer named Kate Morton, and she is singing the lead, Loxi. Loxi is the lead girl, and her name is Turtle. And um, then we have Kirsten Kunkel, who is singing um, her grandmother, and Kirsten is Muskogee. And we have Mark Billy, who is Choctaw, singing yes. both the river of the father, uh, the, the roles of the father and the river in this particular premiere. So we have Muskogean people singing in a Muskogean language about a Muskogean subject that's like really, really important to our history. So it's just the, all this, all this has come together. The, the serendipity of this is really quite amazing. And this was not possible 20 years ago. No, that's stars aligning. Mm -hmm. It that's is. like a, like an Indian star. That's a star chart right there. <laughs> that is a star chart. It's a creative star chart. It's a star modern chart. day star, star chart. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. So I, and so now what's happened is because um, I needed to, to delay the premiere, uh, we're still performing it at, at Mount Holyoke, but also with the New England Philharmonic, we'll be doing um, excerpts for that. Well, now we're also going to, we're actually going to do the, the, the real, the, first premiere here in Oklahoma City with Canterbury Voices and the Oklahoma City Philharmonic. And that is honestly, it's perfect because it's being premiered at home. And so now all of our tribal members, are all of our Muscogean tribal members are going to be able to attend the premiere with Muscogean opera singers. Uh, I mean, it's just, it makes me want to cry when I talk about this. Right. Because I just, when I, again, as I look back, when I was 15 years old, 
no clue. Right. I had no idea that this that these were this was even going to be possible, and that I might actually have input. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you know they say like you watch the water and the mm-hmm. water has a path, but sometimes there are these boulders that fall and yep. that forms a new path right. that's even more you know fruitful for the people. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is like that that kind of life way for bringing us together. And this is really what the podcast was really about. It's like the timber people, you know, Mm -hmm. timbers like this fuel that warms and brings us together and um, can also build and, um, you know, really support. And I love it. I love that you're, I love that you are creating projects that are still connected to where we are today Mm -hmm. and where we've always been. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think on that note, another project that I'm really, really pleased about is that it's kind of a culmination. I've been teaching Native kids around right. Indian country for the last 20 years. And so now, finally, I get to do it over at the First Americans Museum. And we just had our it. first camp last, <laughs> I like to call it camp. It's really an academy, but it's fun to call it camp. Yeah. And so, but we have our we had our first one last summer, and now we're going to do two this summer. And so now I'm able to start expanding teaching to our Native kids here in the state of Oklahoma and kind of base it here i'm just really really happy about that but there's there's a whole legacy now of of native composition by 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 indian students and we actually have two cds that we have pressed that that are on amazon and itunes and everything and spotify and so so that's that creating that opportunity for our kids is really really important to me but also i gotta be honest with you it's like the ideas it's okay. It's really inspiring to me because as I'm teaching kids and they're writing stuff, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's like a really good idea. I would have never thought to do that. Right. It's really, I mean, it's I, I'm, I'm benefiting, you know, from these relationships yeah. that we have with our kids and seeing their creativity. It makes me go, I need to write that well. Well, that's why we should all be talking to each other. That's mm-hmm. that reciprocity yeah, yeah. and it's cultural. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really that cyclical exchange of mm-hmm. giving and sharing and mm-hmm. your ideas. And we're really better together than one. Yes. I mean, oh, yes. <laughs> In spades. Right. <laughs> so, OK, I, I'm, I'm having a train of thought here. So you're talking about like the boulders in the river. Right. Let me tell you about a boulder that happened in my life earlier on. It was just really, it's really I have to give a shout out to an actor that a lot of us will know named Rodney Grant, right. who is an Omaha actor um, uh-huh. from Nebraska. And so, okay, so the story is the way I started composing, see, I, see, I didn't even know I was going to compose until I was in my 20s. And so I was a piano major. Right. And well, my mother is a choreographer and, and a ballet teacher. And so she was setting all these major ballets. And so I grew up with all this ballet repertoire and all that symphonic music that's like the best orchestral music ever written is for right, ballets. Right. So I was all, I was just like, okay, this is my life, whatever. It's, you know, I'm just listening to all this great stuff. Who cares? So, and, and so my, my, my mom was going to do a new ballet and she wanted to do a ballet based on American Indian stories from, from the Northern Plains and Rockies. Wow. And she taught at the university of Wyoming. So she wanted to do something that was relevant to native people up there. So I and so she just looked at me, she's like, well, you're my Chickasaw pianist. You can write my ballet. And I said, you're out of your mind. I can't write a ballet. And so I, I told her no at first, but it really stuck. I mean, she, it was, I mean, that was it. And in a really, really beautiful and innocent way, my mom was asking me to be all of who I am at the exact same time. A classically trained pianist writing music about Indian country. I mean, that's, that's all of me right there is, it's it's American Indian man and a classically trained pianist. So there it is. Mm -hmm. So 
I it it I started writing on my own in secret, you know, for about a week, and I came to her with music, and so uh, she liked she really liked it, and so we did a ballet together, and that was my first ballet called Winter Moons, and actually that CD just I just pre- I just released that CD a couple months ago, so the reason I'm telling you that story is because the boulder that came in was Rodney Grant. Well, <laughs> Mom uh, included a storyteller in the ballet uh, because storytelling is so you know uh, critical to you know I mean to Indian country. So she wanted that element. And so we just started to kind of shop around for native actors and, and, and dances with wolves had just come out the year before. And so we, I think it was on, on VHS already. And so we were watching on a VHS. So we're just kind of looking through the actors because we're just dreaming big. We're like, you know, let's get somebody, you know, who's like current and relevant. And so we're looking at the credits and we made phone calls and, you know, like Graham (laughs) Greene was one call that we made. And so, you know, here's Rodney. Rodney was doing a gig out in Paris. And so we got a hold of him and we faxed him the script and he accepted the gig. And so Rodney came in as the, the storyteller for Winter Moons, and he toured with us around Wyoming and South Dakota. So he came in. Of course, he was on this. He was really famous. He was still winning his hair. His hair was still down to the floor and all this kind of stuff. And he was just rocking and rolling. And he was just high energy guy. It was incredible. And he just absolutely bowled me over. And he was like, he was very much on his kind of like his, his like Tom Robbins, you know, like uh, empowering people and like, you know, giving, oh, Tony you know, Robbins. I'm sorry, Tony Robbins. Yeah, that's, that's I it. mean, they're, yeah, Tom, that's, that's Tom, Tom may be very inspiring too. Yeah, that's right. oh, so, but he was like, he was in that mode of like inspiring. He was giving a lot of talks to native kids around Indian country as well. So that was part of what we did is when we were touring the ballet, he went and talked to native kids in the area and gave all kinds of inspirational talks. Well, he was completely, you just like inspired, like giving me the inspirational talk. He was like, Jared, you've got to do this. He's like, you you need to be our native symphonic composer. And I told him, I said, I can't do this. Oh boy, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I don't know if I can. He's like, oh my God. So he just completely, I mean, just larger than life, just just really hammered this into me. Like, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And I'll tell you, I owe him everything <laughs> because it worked. Because I, you know, he really, I just, he's like, you know, you're, and he also told me I'm responsible. That was another thing. He started kind of giving me the trip of like, you know, you owe this. You're responsible. You are a leader now. And whether you like it or not, I mean, he he was telling me all kinds of stuff that I wasn't ready to hear. Responsibility is big. Yes, it is. And so I was just like, ah. So anyway, so the gig was over and everything. And I had time to, to ruminate about it. And so I went back to school and added composition to my degree. And that's when I had then announced, and I'd really thought it through, and I announced to my family that I was to be a Chickasaw classical composer. Wow. Yep. And that was because of Rodney Grant. <laughs> Thanks, Rodney. And so, fortunately, yeah, yeah, I know. And fortunately, we're still friends. And, Wes Studi's probably like, why didn't you call me? No, I'm <laughs> Shout out to our brother, Wes. Wes, you were just too expensive at the time. I'm really sorry. You just, pr- I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, but actually now Wes is the voice over yeah. on Spider Brings Fire on that yeah, recording. Yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we have so many great friends in Indian country. That, I in, know. In, and, you know, the thing is, at the, you think about it, like that was 1990-ish, right, that, that this was all happening. We were all really just coming into our own. Right. You know, and the, a lot of us were. And, and we didn't all know each other totally. 
And so now here, what, you know, 30 years, literally 30 years later, we are now 30 years later, we, a lot of us know each other. And it's, it's really it's beautiful. Really cool. And we're able to support each other in ways that none of us really imagined 30 years ago. Right. You know, and so, and I mean, so my experience currently as a middle-aged Chickasaw man with all of my Native colleagues is really quite positive. It's so cool to think, you know, Indian country is mm-hmm. this continent, mm-hmm. you know, and Indian country is also very small. We're all connected. <laughs> I know. You know? <laughs> yep. It's, it's a <laughs> small, big town or a big, small town. Yeah. yeah. Indian country is a really tiny town. It's like it's. But yeah. And yeah. And, and then some sometimes it feels like we we are so far away from each other, but we, we know way too much about each other. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I just think about that. I just, I, I just look back at the 90s and the 80s. Even it's like you know when and it's like at that at that time you know there were there were uh, there were native entertainers who were like doing these like they were like little shooting stars that were coming out at the time, and and you know I mean honestly we were critical of each other. You know it's like oh what are they doing <laughs> right? And you know it's like and there was attitude that was going on because you know we weren't all sure about what each other was doing or even what we were doing, and so there was some uncertainty that was going on with it. I think it was really kind of natural that we were doing all that but i mean you know over you know a few decades things have really coalesced they really really have and i'm i'm feeling more than anything a lot of mutual support between native entertainers i really feel it absolutely Mm -hmm. and i really i think it's that technology that opens things up Mm -hmm. podcasts the Mm -hmm. internet face social media Mm -hmm. in general where we feel like we can connect with each other and be supportive and mm. you know there are pros and cons to all of this but <laughs> it's you know a few strokes of a keyboard away where yeah. you can mm-hmm. you know connect or reconnect and mm-hmm. i love that you know you meet these awesome young people and mm-hmm. they're up and coming and mm-hmm. i may not know them I'm, but I say, oh, I know your mom or your That's dad. Right. <laughs> That's right. You see him from across the room. Like you look just like your mom did at that age. <laughs> That's really, really funny. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it makes me think about my parents. It's like you know, what were they thinking at the time? And it's it's a it's a beautiful cycle. It really, really is. Well, speaking of children, mm-hmm. I had the great pleasure, not the first year, to see your son in the Nutcracker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just, that's a real pleasure. You know, so my son's name is Hiloha, and Hiloha is the Chickasaw word for thunder, and, and Choctaw word for thunder. And actually, his mom was pregnant. Emily was pregnant um, in the summer of 2013. And that was when we had, like, really, really bad tornadoes here in in uh, Tornado Alley. And so, unfortunately, there was a lot, a lot going on there. Well, he, and there's lots of thunderstorms. He was responding like alien baby. It was really, really nuts. And so she was like, I'm going to call you thunder. And I said, you know, actually, our word for thunder is a really beautiful, you know, name possibility. So we thought about that. And so the night he was born um, is when Piedmont had a really, really big thunderstorm. And we were up at Mercy. And so we, the, the storm was going on. So we're like, well, there it is. Right. So, so my son's name is Thunder. And I'll tell you, I, he's, or he's earned it. That's, there's no doubt about it. He's earned his name. But um, Hiloha is, um, he plays the French horn. He's been playing for three years. That's and he's incredible. also a ballet dancer. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's, 
I mean, as a composer, this is like quite a dream come true because, you know, like, for instance, the uh, the other day we were listening to um, a recording on the classical station that they're playing the Mozart horn concerto. And it was this really great recording. Um, I forget the artist, but she was just just crushing this piece. It sounded wonderful. And I was like, son, this is a really good horn concerto in the repertoire, blah, blah. And I, and he's, and I said, you know, you, you're probably going to play this someday. He goes, yeah. He said, he said, so are you going to write me a horn concerto? And I was wow. like, oh, my gosh. And I looked at him and I said, yes. <laughs> and I thought, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with my son. I can actually write him a horn concerto. Right. It didn't even occur to me. And then I said to him, I said, you know, I'll do you one other. I said, you know, in fact, I said, if you stay in ballet, I could probably write you a ballet. <laughs> <laughs> So you could be the lead. And I said, you could probably do both. And he was like, yeah. So we were just kind of having a good time, you know, just kind of talking about it. But I just thought to myself, oh, my gosh, that's possible. That's rare mm-hmm. to have that opportunity, that gift. Yeah. It's I mean, that and bond I, I think these create. opportunities are all over the place and they're in front of us. If we open our eyes, it didn't even occur to me until he had brought this up. And now I've got this, you know, like I'm cautiously optimistic, right? I've got this little tiny dream in my, in my heart. That's like, okay, let's see if he stays with the horn. If he stays with ballet, you know, like, is this possible? I mean, it's entirely possible. Yeah. No dream is too tiny. No, 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 it isn't. And of course, one thing that's really cool is like, you know, during nutcracker season. So what I was able to go and audit um, the conducting maestro Levine, let me go in and just study the score while they're all playing. So this, all my friends in the Philharmonic and I get to sit here and just read Tchaikovsky scores while they're while it's being conducted and performing. It's a really great, great opportunity as a composer just to be able to do that while my son is dancing above me on stage. My heart was beaming seeing him <laughs> on stage. I, I love that you say alien baby because he is out of this world. <laughs> so cheesy. I'm very, I'm very, very proud of him. You know, and it's like when I think about my son in ballet, you know, I mean, I think about the legacy that he has. I mean, we have our Navajo choreographer and dancer, Jock Soto, who's who's still working. And I, I actually did a project with him just a couple of years ago, and he lives in Santa Fe. So he's still, you know, kicking and grooving with, with his projects. And of course, you know, we have the legacy of, of the five Indian ballerinas from Oklahoma. And so Hiloha is part of a legacy that's already 75 years before him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is really, really quite amazing. So it, it's it's new and it's like, oh my gosh, this has been going on for quite some time. Right. So I'm inspired, just, I, I feel like I'm eclipsed by all of, of both the past and the future. Absolutely. It's really incredible. My own son, I feel eclipsed by his sunshine. I really, really do, along with Maria Talchief. Well, you're all a part of it. It's about mm-hmm. that continuum. Yep, yep, agreed. Yeah, and you know, you say, wow, we're really doing some progressive things here, but we've always been progressive people, yes. or we would not have our mound-building culture. Mm-hmm. We would not have, like, Woodhenge. We would not have different, those very advanced ways of looking at stars mm-hmm. from ancient times of, mm-hmm. you know, some of our tribal cultures. Yes. And so we've always been progressive people. We're just continuing these long-standing traditions. I, I couldn't agree more. And we were just as intelligent and creative mm-hmm. and brilliant then as we are right. now. And if you if we went back and talked to our, our own people back in the day, we'd be having the same conversations, right. especially if you're talking about parenting. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I, I joke with people. I say, you know, it's like when we meet aliens, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, the common language is going to be math. No, the common language is going to be music or art. It's like, no, the common language is going to be parenting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I, th- but I think about that because it's also it's like so. Let's let's take ourselves back, you know, like two two thousand years, right, right, to our ancestors, and think about what they were doing artistically. Well, they were, you know, shell carving, okay? And, of course, they had local artists that were making stuff for their friends and their families, and and they were trading for it. They were making a living doing that kind of thing. Right. And somebody was coming up with, like, a new notch that went around the edge or some kind of a right. new whatever way to hang it around you. Any, anything that they were doing, they, people were adjusting it and trying something new. They were borrowing ideas from somebody else in, in a different uh, a different village that was nearby. They'd come back and be like, oh, this person's doing that. And, they'd be, and, and the same conversation would happen. Some people would be like, Ooh, that's great. I, that's, that's the new way of doing our, our shell carving. And some other people will be like, well, that's not how our ancestors did it. You know, that's not really traditional, is it? You know, that the same conversations and debates were going on then in the art world as they are now. And I take a lot of comfort and joy and kind of humor in that because I, it's like, you know, we can kind of laugh at ourselves and say, you know, we've never changed. So we're just as funny, you know, and kind of as just as ridiculous, but we're also just as brilliant and beautiful and well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We were always sharing Mm -hmm. and exchanging. Mm -hmm. And um, before we end the podcast, you mentioned about uh, Hiloha's uh, traditional name. Mm -hmm. And that's so much a part of, you know, our language is so much a part of our identity of ancient times, Mm -hmm. of how... You know, we are who we always were. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your traditional name? Oh, yes. Um, uh, Impacha Chaha is our traditional house name. And so so we have house names and clan names. So Impacha Chaha is my house name, and my clan name is Shawi. And Shawi is raccoon, and Impacha Chaha means his high corn crib. And so a corn crib is, is, you know, a raised corn silo in which we would store our vegetables and keep it away from critters and you right. grease, grease the poles. And so they can't get up and everything. So it's kind of a functional name. So the, the best way I can describe it is, you know, our clan names were, were a, a real important social system because you received your clan name. That was a matrilineal mm-hmm. uh, lineage uh, that we received from, from our mothers and you would never marry into your same clan. You know, that was, and that's something that's really common around the world actually. Right. Um, and so house names were much more like surnames. And so you could be part of a clan and also a house, which was like, uh, like you were saying, von Beethoven, which means you're from the house of Beethoven. Right. So Impacha Chaha means like you're from the house of High Corn Crib. So we we had that system that, that we had two, two systems. I don't entirely understand how it worked in ancient times, right. but we still have remnants of that now. And I'm very fortunate that my family still has our, our house and clan names. So so Hiloha is he's also Impacha Chaha. He's also Shawi. And so that's yeah, that's where that's where the um the our traditional name comes from. And I just decided to really use that all the time about 20 years ago. I was I'm like, glad you know, that you I've just got to put it right up there. And boy, it's a long name and it's funky. But you know what a it's it's such a beautiful window of opportunity for discussion. Everybody loves trying to say the name. And I we have this conversation that like you and I are having right now. We talk about the meaning. I love it as an icebreaker, a conversation maker. It's really, really beautiful. Because also, I can deliver the conversation with um, an element of joy. 
So, hey, please ask me about my culture. Let me tell you, I love it and I want you to enjoy learning about it. And now you know something that you wouldn't have known if we hadn't had this conversation. Absolutely. And hey, what? And I have those opportunities with other people. So if I meet somebody from the Ukraine or Lithuania or something, I'll be like, hey, tell me about how do your names work and how does your Absolutely. culture do this? I want to know the same things because if I'm if I need to know something about Cambodian culture, I don't know where to look except for talk to somebody from mm-hmm. Cambodia and ask them all the dumb questions like, so how do you guys do right. this? And, yeah, right. I, have, I have the same questions. And so I really love opening and facilitating cultural conversations with people. It's so important. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great point. You know, that cultural conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and the language, this at the language as this portal through which we learn more yes. about one another and I think it's so important to always stay curious. Yeah. So yeah. I really thank you so much, my dear friend. Yay. <laughs> Chuck Mashki, Yakoki. Yeah. Thank you for being on Timber People today. My good friend, a timber person. Yakoki, thank you for joining us. Timber People is brought to you by the Possibilities Podcast Platform.